This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. So we're going to read this in just a moment. I pray that everybody's had a chance to find it. James 4, 14. Those of you that are watching, I hope you're ready with pen and paper to study the Word of God with us tonight. James said, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. That should be the way we live our lives. First and foremost of God's will in perspective. Last week I gave you the varieties of the will of God. We've got much to say about this. We're talking about God's will. You would be surprised to know the number of people that have said to me through the years different things pertaining to what God, they said, wanted them to do, and then they would categorize it as this is God's will for my life. Now, believe me, one of my spiritual gifts, and I pray that you know what your spiritual gift is, one of my spiritual gifts is discernment. Not everybody has that. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, the Bible says, and God will give to all men liberally and upbraideth not. There's a difference between discernment and wisdom. I can't, and, and not by bragging or, or from an egotistic perspective, but I can listen to somebody for two or three minutes who has, who has said, this is what God wants me to do. And it will either instantly, through the Holy Spirit, God will confirm that. Or God will reveal to me that he has absolutely nothing to do with this. One of these days, in my latter years. And if Jesus tarries is coming, I pray that I got many more years to preach. But one of these days, I'm, I'm going to write a book. I, one of the things I want to do right now, which I don't have any time to even think about it, but if I wrote another book anytime soon, I would like to write a book on the Holy Land and put some of the most beautiful pictures in the world in there and talk about the different places that I've been. Some of you that have never been or maybe never will have the opportunity to go. It will intrigue you and it will bless you. That's what I'd like to do someday. But then I think before I get homebound and confined to a chair when I'm half blind and can't walk and I get they send me out to the pasture. I, I want to write a book that's entitled, This Really Happened. <laughs> and I'm going to wait until I get to that phase in life to write it. Because you would be absolutely... You, it would almost uh, become entertainment. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm on the edge here. I'm in the gray area, so I need to be careful, but you would be surprised. Now, what I'm going to tell you, this really happened. 
And I cannot tell you how many times something like this or of this nature has repetitiously happened throughout my 40 plus years of ministry. This really happened. And, and I'm going to use one, one illustration that what you could probably put a couple of hundred people in to this category that I'm going to talk about right now and draw from all of these people one illustration. I can remember, and this one really hadn't been that awful far long ago. A couple came to see me and they said, we've got some wonderful news to tell you. And I said, okay. And we, we want uh, you to know about it and we want to know what you think about it. Now, I'm not going to go into all of the depth of what they were telling me because what this was, and then they said, this is God's will for our life. And I sat in my office before the two of them and they, they proceeded to tell me these things that and I don't even know how they believed it, that God wanted them to do in a far and distant land. And when, when the wife got finished going through this stuff and then the man, he began to tell me his exciting uh, belief or part of the story. Uh, of course, they both were thrill seekers and was willing to pursue this with all the vigor and all the intensity that they could muster up. And when they got through telling me all of this, while they were telling me, a cold chill got all over me. And usually in a situation like this, I can discern, believe me, I can discern within two or three minutes where this is going. I can discern in a couple of minutes if God is in it or if he's not in it. It's just a gift. It's a spiritual gift. You know, this thing with Brother Adam playing the piano, that's a spiritual gift. Because I'm telling you, he never had a lesson in his life. Now, when he started playing, once he started playing and developing the talent, yes, he did pursue a couple of lessons to learn a new chord, playing a sharp or flat, whatever that was. But I'm telling you, we came off of the road one, one weekend singing, and I heard the most beautiful piano playing. I've ever heard in my life. He was in the next room playing. That's, that's a gift. That is a holy anointing gift. You can stand beside him and say, can you play this song, hum two or three phrases in it, and he can play it and masterfully play it. Who can do that? It's a gift. You hear these other musicians up here doing the same thing. That sort of thing happened almost I think like Brother Danny, he never had a, a guitar lesson in his life. He had been following our singing group for a little bit. And a little country church in McKinney, Virginia, called us on a Saturday night. We, we had been playing on a Friday night. We played on a Saturday night. And our steel guitar player and our bass guitar player called on a Saturday night. We had a Sunday full day. This little church in McKinney and said they couldn't be there. Danny had been with us for the weekend, some of those dates. I called him late Saturday night. I said, what are you doing? He never had a guitar in his hand. 
I said, what are you doing tomorrow? Well, I don't know. I said, would you like to play with the group? And let me tell you something. He's sitting here tonight, and what I'm telling you, he knows to be the gospel truth. We put a guitar in his hand, and he's been playing from that day to this day. Who can explain that? That's a God thing. God gives gifts. One of the gifts, and you need to pursue your spiritual gift, by the way. That's another series. But one of mine is discernment. Not everybody has this. We have maturity. We have wisdom. We have experience. And we can put all of those things that we have learned in life together that helps us through prayer make good choices. But when somebody comes to me and says, God told me this, that that takes away the whole thing about this would be nice to do. This may even be fun to do. We're just going to let our hair blow in the wind and just go wherever ever the door opens. You know, people can talk that kind of stuff, but, but when you cut through all of that and you say, God told me, then I don't know. It's just a gift. And I can, I can tell you in two or three minutes what is the motive behind this and what, what really is happening here. And I was sitting in the office and I listened to her and I listened to him and they both got finished with their presentation. They sat back and they said, now, I mean, they were like two lovebirds that just had romantically got together and my goodness, they were telling me all of this stuff. And when they were telling me, it was like the earth was shaking underneath my feet. And a coldness, there was no, no warmth. There was certainly no will for me to extend a blessing to them. And they weren't asking my permission for this. They were just telling me what they were getting ready to embark upon. And when they got, she got finished and he got finished and it was my turn to talk. I told them this. I said, do you want me to be a pastor to you? Or did you just want to come in here and tell me this stuff? No, no, no. We, we want you to be a pastor to us. We want your help. We want your input. I said, well, I can't tell you what you want to hear. I have to tell you what you need to hear. You could hear a pin drop. And I systematically begin to outline every wrong turn and every everything that was beyond a fork in the road, everything that was going to be disastrous in this whole escapade. And I said, I'm sorry. I don't feel your joy. Now, you might be watching tonight or you might be in here tonight and you say, well, Pastor, that, that wasn't very nice of you to say that to these people that were all up on cloud nine and ten and you just pulled the rug. And listen, isn't that what you want? Don't you want to hear the truth? Don't you want to hear what you need to hear and not just what you want to hear? I mean, if we're going to be truthful about this. And so at the end of it, I could tell 
This, because none of it made any sense. There was no logic, no reason. And the word teaches us that God, when his will is involved in this, the word talks about our reasonable service. God will never call you to do anything. God will never tell you to do anything that is totally impossible for you. He's given us all different gifts. Musicians, guitar players, piano players, singers, teachers. He's given us all different. We all cannot do the same thing. And so... After I finished, I said, I love you with all my heart. But God's not in this. They were very deflated, very discouraged. My, my job is, is to encourage. And I couldn't do that on that particular evening. And when they told me that this was God's will, I said, God's not in this. I said, let me tell you why. And here's the thing. God will never operate outside of his word. Never. Not to make us feel good, not to put a smile on our face, not to clear our conscience. God will never operate outside of this word. And some of the things that they were telling me, they were almost insinuating that God would have to step out of the box. Wasn't going to work. When I left that meeting or when they left that meeting, they came out and one of our brothers was down here in the hallway and they walked down there and said, Pastor, just pull the rug out from under us. We were all as happy and thinking about this, that, and the other. And they, and they said, we well, told you what you needed to hear, didn't he? They didn't know what to say and didn't know what to do. But I'm never going to be behind an incident where I'm pushing somebody over the cliff. I'm not going to do that. A couple of years ago, this really happened. A couple of years ago, I had a young family come in and they, they called Brother Adam first and said, listen, God's, God's doing something incredible in my life and our life and we want to serve God and, we, and your, your dad, would you put a word in his ear for, for me? We, God's called me to preach and God has made it known, God has made it clear that he wants your dad to teach me ministry. God has made it clear that he wants me to study under your dad. Would you put a bug in his ear? And, and Adam said, well, I see him every day. I can tell him that, but I think the person who needs to be telling him that is you. So Adam came to me and he said, uh, you need to have a heads up. So-and-so is going to call you. I said, okay. And it took a little while, but he did. And he said, God has made it clear to me. This is God's will. God wants me and my family to come here. He wants you to teach me the word of God. He wants me to study under you. I said, well, brother, I said, uh, that really sounds good. I, you know, this was on a Saturday morning in my office. 
And I begin to ask him a few questions. I always start anybody that I want to have in this pulpit. I always ask this question. Tell me about your salvation experience. How did you come to know the Lord? How were you saved? I, I want to know all about that. Because you'd be surprised at the answers I get sometimes. I think I've told you more than once. I asked a lady one time, she came to, to the office, wanted some counseling. I said, tell me about yourself. Are you a Christian? Are you saved? Yes. Yeah. Tell me about your salvation experience. She said, oh, I'll tell you that. So I remember the day I was watching the 700 Club. Pat Robertson told me he put my hands on the TV. She said, the warmest feeling that I've ever had in my life came all over me, and I've been saved ever since. Well, let me tell you something. You don't get saved because you put your hand on the television and you get a warm feeling. That's, that's not how you're born again. But so this individual said, yes, God def definitely has called me, definitely wants me to study under you, definitely wants me to, to learn from you and wants you to teach me. I said, okay, tell me about your salvation experience. And he did convince me that he was saved. And then I began to go through the doctrines in which we believe. We believe in eternal security. I asked him, I said, do you believe in eternal security? So he said all the right answers. A list of questions, and I got to this one. I said, now, are you a Calvinist? And he said, no, I'm not Calvinist. Of course, we're not Calvinist. I don't believe that God has handpicked people, certain amount of people to go to heaven and certain amount of people to go to hell. I believe that he has placed within the heart and life of every man, woman, boy, and girl a will. For whosoever will may come. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're not Calvinists. We're not having Calvinism in our church. And I asked him point blank because let me tell you, you hear me reference to that sometimes, and that's a big movement in the, in the world today is Calvinism. We're not Calvinists. And I, I asked him, I said, are you a Calvinist? He said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, okay. A few Sundays later, he marched his family down here, stood right here. And I asked in front of the whole church, I said, so you feel God leading you here? This is of God. This, you you want to study under my ministry? You want me to teach you? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, some of you that were here heard it. And within six months, they flew the coop. Now, in that situation... Either God was confused or either they were confused. Or God didn't know what he was really doing or they didn't know what they were really doing. Now, we all know the answer to that, right? God always knows what he's doing. God's never confused. So when people tell me, God said this, God, this is God's will, I can listen to just a few minutes of it and tell you whether or not it's of God. Because as the story goes on, God will never operate outside of the word. And when people start drifting outside of the word, it's a red light. It's a caution light to me. This is not of God. 
I've never, you might be a Beatle fan. I've never been a Beatle fan. Especially when John Lennon got on national TV and said that the Beatles were more famous than Jesus Christ. But I can remember in October of 1980, Mark Chapman stalked John Lennon outside of his New York apartment. John Lennon had just come from a recording session in his studio. Mark Chapman was waiting in the shadows. When John Lennon walked around the corner, Mark Chapman shot him five times. And John Lennon died on the way to the hospital. And when they, and Mark Chapman was sitting on the porch waiting for the police to come. He was reading a book entitled The Catcher in the Rye. When the police came to apprehend him and they took him to the police station, they asked him, why did you do this? And he said, because it was God's will. Now, I'm not a Beatle fan, but I will tell you this. Thou shalt not kill is still in the book, no matter who it pertains to. That was not God's will. But that's how depraved some people are. And they will take their unbelievable notions and stories and wild adventures and they want to camouflage it with this whole thing of this is what God said. Well, that's why we have a scripture in the Bible that says, try the spirits and see if they be of God. Because not every time somebody says, God told me this, this is God's will, this is what God wants me to do, that's not always true. Those three things I told you, they really happened. Now, I say all of that in the point of the introduction to go into what I hope will be a blessing to you because I want to examine God's will. James chapter 4, verse number 15, gives us those words. James said, we'll do this or that if it's God's will. And God's will ought to be paramount in your life. It ought to be something that constantly is with you to serve the Lord. We talked about his, his protective will. We talked about his permissive will. We talked about his perfect will. We gave you five or six um, attributes of his will. And that ought to be always first and foremost. So let me say tonight that the inquiry as to what God's will is for you, and and God's will may be different for all of us. I think there's some collective common things that we have together, but I do think that God has given some teachers, some preachers, some evangelists, and we're all called to do different things. But the inquiry, if you're wondering tonight, you're watching, Pastor you're on to something here. And I really want to know God's will for my life. Let me ask you, do you know it? Do you know what God's will for your life is? How do you go about finding God's will for your life? I'm going to give you some deep things in this study. I don't know how much we'll get done tonight. But let me reemphasize the inquiry as to what God's will is for our life really rests upon four primary things. Some of you, I I know what God's will for your life is. I see you manifesting it all the time. I see you doing it. And you're living, you're walking in his footsteps. There's no doubt in my mind. 
the Shekinah glory hovers over you. But some of you may be searching. Some of you may be in the valley of decision and you're really not sure. Let me give you four. This is simple. This part of it is simple. It's going to get very complicated and that's why I hope you have stuff to write with in this particular part of our study. But let me say the inquiry as to what God's will for your life is involves four very simple particular things. Number one, you've got to spend time with him in prayer. You've got to pray. You've got to pray. You've got to talk to God. When you read your Bible, God talks to you. But when you pray, you talk to him. So you've got to have fervent prayer, not vain repetitions. You've got to spend some time in fervent prayer. Number two, you have to study and search the word. You you have to do that. So let me ask you this. You talk about God's will. How much time do you spend in prayer every day? How much time do you spend in the word every day? That's important. Number three, you have to have unquestionable obedience. When God begins to speak and God begins to lead, now you've, you've prayed and you've read the word, you, you've done the preliminaries, you, you've done the things that you're supposed to do and, and you've spent quality time in that. Okay, so... When God reveals to you what it is he wants you to do, you don't have to step back and say, well, God, I need to pray about this. Because by this point, you should have been baptized in prayer. You should have studied the Bible on all aspects of the thing that you're getting ready to do. So you've got to have prompt and unwavering obedience to the word. And then number four, real quickly here, you've got to have complete and implicit trust. You've got to trust the captain. You've got to trust God. You may not know what he's doing, but believe me, God always knows what he's doing. And we have to, as believers, live by faith. Hebrews eleven six teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We know the faith scriptures. Hebrews ten thirty eight: the just shall live by faith, so forth. All right? You've got to, and write this scripture down. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. The Bible says that we are his workmanship. He's not ours, even though we get this twisted around a lot of times. We want to put God on the potter's wheel. We want to say to God, this is what I want. This is what I want you to do. And God, I'm going to mold you and make you to be and do what I need you to do. Believe me, that will never work. We are his workmanship. And then I want you to write this verse down, 1 John 2, verse 17. 1 John 2, verse 17. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So let me suggest something to you. And we will, we will get on the launch pad with this and I'll have to close. This is going to be a good study, I promise you. Let me suggest three things to do if you're earnestly seeking his will. 
Number one, first of all, confess all of your known sins to God, everything that you can possibly remember. And then the things that you can't remember, express that to God. God, here are the things in my life that I know are undealt with and I've not confessed them and I've not put these things under the blood. I've, I've not committed it to you. I've not confessed it to you. But do that. So the first thing you want to do is to get right with him. Whatever's wrong, you want to get it right. Secondly, you've got to put yourself in a position to be humble. And I revert back to the Old Testament scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. And the word says this, and I will heal their land. And so we first have to get right with God, get everything right with him. You've got to then put yourself in a position of humbleness. But then number three is where we're really going to take off onto some deep study. And that is this. Let me ask you, how many of you and your Christian experience, how many of you, you're watching tonight by internet, we do want you to check in and let us know that you're there. And I want you to comment here. How many of you and your Christian experiences, those of you that are here, think and answer in your heart, have ever trusted God for something that was so amazing, so impacted with question that after you, you prayed and after you studied the word and you confessed your sins and you had unquestionable obedience and you had implicit trust. You, did, you, you had A, B, C, D down and you were ready to do business with God. How many of you have ever really, truly fasted? I'm going to share with you in this branch of our teaching, did you know that there are at least nine different types of fast in the scriptures. I can remember it's been about 25 years ago that I taught on fasting. But there are many things that God does through different types of fasting. Now, let me say this in the closing 60 seconds that we have tonight. Fasting is not just simply depriving yourself of food until you fall unconscious and need an intravenous IV and, and an ambulance and counseling and therapy. That's not what fasting is all about. So before you enter a fast, the very first fundamental thing that you need to determine is, are you, are you physically able to do this? Because it does take a significant toll on your body. So I never say to anybody, well, what you need to do, brother, is fast and pray. They may be a diabetic. They may have a heart condition. They may have all, all kinds of physical situations where that's really not what they are physically able to do. The other thing is this, and I hope you're writing this down because we're going to get into it next week. And I have to stop with this point. You have to determine the length of your fast before you start to fast. Believe me. Take my word for it. 
if you have never fasted? Well, Jesus fasted for 40 days. I want to be like Jesus. You will die. In a wilderness. So believe me. You don't need a 40 day fast. When you get ready to fast. And there are different fasts for different problems. There's different fasts for your health. For your, your, your mental struggles. I'm going to share these different types of fasts with you. Because this is, goes back to the question. Have you ever fasted? Have you ever fasted correctly? What fast did you do? I don't know. I just didn't drink water or food. You're missing it. We're talking about an intimate personal relationship with the Lord. And there are ways. You remember when, when the Bible says this, that Jesus came to give life and that we may have it more abundantly. It's one thing to pray. It's another thing to fast and pray. All together different. We're going to be talking about that. And so I pray that this will encourage you and build you up in the faith because it's not as simple as it may sound. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.